Hello everyone. Welcome to episode 9 of Adventures in Autism. I am Megan Carranza. Thank you so much for coming back to listen. I am so excited about today's show. I have an amazing guest. Her name is Tamika. She is um she's really just incredible. She wears many hats. She is a fellow autism mama. She is an author. She's an actress. She's a teacher. She is an activist. She runs an amazing group, uh, organization called the Autism Hero Project, which was how her and I connected. And we talk about all that and more. So this is a little bit of a longer episode. So get get cozy. Um, I also want to put out a little disclaimer. We had a little bit of a connection issue. So especially in like the first 10 minutes, the sound is like a little bit glitchy, which I apologize for. Um, and then we we kind of stopped and started again around 10 minutes. Um, so then it gets a lot better. So stick with it for, for the first 10 minutes and then, and then the sound in- improves quite a bit, but regardless, her, her mission is amazing and she had so many inspiring things to say. So I know you will enjoy it. And so without further ado, here is Tamika. Tamika. Hola, hola, Megan. Oh, you're already getting all, like, all the flair. I love it. <laughs> Welcome to Autism. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to talk to you. I, I talk to you and share, so yeah. I, the feeling is mutual. Oh, that's so sweet. Um, so just a little backstory. Tamika and I just, we really just connected on, on social media. She runs an amazing organization called the Autism Hero Project. So we are going to get into all that and much more. We already talked about how this is probably going to be kind of a long time. I have a hard time hearing you a little bit, sweetheart. <laughs> okay. I'm going to turn myself up a little bit. Can you hear me now? Is that good? I can hear you. Okay. I'm just going to hold this closer. Um, okay. Okay. So we 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 talked about how we we're gonna have a lot to go over so this might be a little bit of a long podcast so get get comfy and you're in it for the long haul um okay so basically i if you would just kind of take me take me back to the beginning of your autism journey and sort of what that looked like i'm very curious to know are you there did i lose them we all start with a date right yes And so for me, my date is June 4th, 2015. And, you know, like for everybody else, it was like a normal day. Most people can't even remember what they were doing on June 4th, 2015, I'm sure. But um, for my husband and I, it literally was the day that kind of changed our lives forever. Um, We had been asked by my son's preschool. So just to give you some backstory really quick. My son went through early intervention because of speech delay and developmental delay. Um, We had noticed it. uh, Actually, I'll be honest with you. I didn't really notice it. And I'm a school teacher. So, and we have another son, but my oldest son soon will be 24. So they're 16 years apart. So it's like, you kind of forget what are like the normal milestones for children. And so in my case, I have a group of girlfriends who are also school teachers and we get together regularly. And one of my friends who's a teacher was like, hey, Tamika, have you noticed um, Maximilian's 
you know, his word count. Like he doesn't seem to be speaking much. And I would say he was close to 18 months at that time. And I was like, in my mind going, well, he knows how to say cow. He knows how to say agua. He knows how to say bubble. And I'm thinking to myself, and he knows how to say mama. And then I started to kind of think, well, was, to me, I thought four words was pretty cool, right? Thinking that that's <laughs> enough. And then, you know, we went to his doctor's appointment and uh, the doctor didn't seem concerned at all, of mm-hmm. course, not at all. And she was like, you know, she was telling me about this program through early intervention where they come to your house and they would do an evaluation. And I figured, you know what, for the hell of it, let me just go through it and see what they think. And sure enough, they were like, yes, he has, you know, uh, you had to have at least a 30% developmental delay in order to get early intervention started. And so they kind of started early intervention. And although it was a speech delay, they didn't do it on speech. They actually did it on developmental delay. And I thought that was interesting, but I didn't really think too much of it. And then through the time, you know, I started to notice more things. And then he got into the preschool at three years old. And it was really through an evaluation process that the occupational therapist, and I've heard your podcast and I've heard about your situation with your occupational therapist, but um, she said, I think you should have your son evaluated. And she didn't really say autism. She just said, I think he needs to be evaluated, potentially autism, potentially something else. Um, And so we made an appointment and it was like a six month waiting list. Mm -hmm. It was ridiculous like that. And they did have a wait list. And so as I'm filling out like the surveys and being a school teacher and just the year before I like the, the year that I was pregnant with him, I literally had gained a student um, who was autistic and it was a high profile student because it was like a politician's son as a school teacher in my school district in the dual language program. And so I don't know, I was just thinking to myself, I don't like I didn't really notice some of the things, but some of the things that, that they say about the spectrum, since it's so wide, you know, the eye contact and certain, you know, idiosyncrasies that the children have. I didn't really, like, there was so much inconsistency that I thought, does he, doesn't he? I don't think mm-hmm. so. Like, I, I think I was in denial and I was convincing myself that there was really nothing there. Okay. And I think, I think the truth is there was one part of me that maybe had doubt and thought maybe he was. And it was because of um, one day I had asked him to look at me because of him doing something. And I said, can you look at me? Look at me in the eyes, look at me in the eyes. And I saw that he would start to look at me in the eyes. And as soon as I would open my mouth to talk, his eyes would avert. And he could not just look straight in my eyes. Every time I started to talk, his eyes would, you know, turn to the left or turn to the right. And that was probably the first time that I was like kind of convinced well, maybe this is a possibility. And like so honest with yourself in that moment. I think I was, but then, but then of course, what do I do? I start reading about it. And then I see all these other symptoms of potential yeah. autism and I'm going, well, nope, I guess I can check it off, you know? But I think in my heart of hearts, if that was probably the defining moment of when I thought, you know what, there is a possibility. I think that was it. If you want to know the truth. Yeah. Um, so on June 4th, 2015, we go in and we have them evaluated. And if, you know, as anyone who's gone through the process, you're sitting there for hours as they ask them 50 million questions, right? And then you have to do this parent survey of like another 50 million questions and you're in there for hours. And what was shocking me was that 
during the whole evaluation, I was amazed at how many answers he got correctly. Like I'm thinking to myself, he was four at the time and uh, he was soon to be five, but they were asking him like just questions that I'm thinking to myself, I'm a second grade teacher and my second graders don't know some of these answers. And yet he did. Right. And some of them were, you know, very concrete, obviously, but some of them were a little abstract and, you know, like bird is to what as fish is to water. Right. And obviously that's obvious for an adult, but when you're asking a four-year-old, you don't always think that they might know something like that. Right. Knew that. but he knew that. Oh, wow. No, he did. They asked him about plurals and singular. They asked him about nouns. Like, literally, I'm thinking to myself, no way. There's no way. And then he would answer correctly. And I would like jaw dropped. That's and I'm thinking to myself, God, this kid is fucking smart. Like, yeah. literally, I couldn't get over it. <laughs> and, yeah. um, but then there was other things that I knew he knew answers to that he didn't answer correctly. And then there's other things that he really didn't know the answers to. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, you know, I, I kind of was like internally like cheering him on every time he answered something correctly and then convincing myself really, oh no, he's going to be fine. Man, this kid is, you know, he's going to be fine. He, he's going to, cause he's just so smart, but that's my ignorance, right? That was my ignorance of how little I knew about autism. And that's what I think the rest of the world is like, you know, unless something impacts you directly or through a family member or someone close to you. You know, we don't know what we don't know, and we don't care to know about those things if they don't normally impact our lives. Mm-hmm. And so then when the doctor came in, you know, and she looked at the stuff and evaluated it and came in and asked us a few more questions, then all of a sudden she was like, so we believe that your son is autistic as well as ADHD. And, um, and then just everything changed. Oh. Yeah, especially if you were like, you know, kind of convincing yourself that that wasn't what you were going to hear. And then to hear it, I mean, just like it's soul crushing regardless, but like, oh, it's it was such an emotional moment. It was actually body experience, if you want to know the truth. Like I, I was there physically in my body, but mentally, I think I just kind of went into another world and. I even remember at one point she just kept talking and I know her mouth was moving, but I was not listening or hearing a thing of what she was saying. Mm-hmm. You should just shut down. I just completely just shut down and got lost in my own mind and going back through the assessment and going, it, it's almost like, you know, like, like that movie memento, right? Where they show clips of things and it kind of moves forward and backwards. Right. And all these glimpses of these moments with Maximilian and I, and like not seeing the signs or seeing the signs and, you know, just being in denial about those signs. And, and it was, it was, it, it was hard. It's so hard. It's, it's so tough. Oh, yeah. I, I've been there. I've been there for sure. So Yeah. And, and I think for me, it felt so much harder because I should probably should have saw it coming, but I didn't see it coming because I really had believed that, oh, no, he's not. Because every time I would look at stuff online, right, I'm thinking, oh, no, he doesn't do any. He might do maybe two or three out of ten of the items, right? Mm-hmm. And so. Okay. Sorry about our technical difficulties. <laughs> it's all good. Okay. So we were talking about basically right as your son was getting the diagnosis. 
Yes. And so I can continue and tell you that after that, um, I kind of went into this dark, like this dark moment of blaming myself, thinking, you know, what did I do to to deserve this God and kind of being upset at God, being upset at myself, thinking that I must have done something in my life to deserve this. And the truth is, as, as, and I can say this now, as sad as it sounds, but I kind of almost looked at autism like a death sentence. Mm-hmm. And it was like, if I thought, you know, that's it, my son's life is not going to like have anything good in it. The labels that are going to come with it, the, you know, the judgment and just all of it. And, and I can admit and tell you that that is a horrible way to look at it. But I can tell you that now because I'm on the other side of it, right? Right. And just like anybody else, we have to go through all the different stages of grief, you know, uh-huh. where we go. Into, you, you get angry and you can't accept it and you go into the denial and, you know, all the negative parts of it. And then you finally, when you get to a better place, you finally come out accepting it. And then the hope, you, you wind up having hope. Uh-huh. And so... I literally had to go through all those stages of grief. And in those stages of grief, I literally did not share with a single soul my son's diagnosis. And I literally forbid my my husband to tell his family. I, I literally didn't want to tell my family. I didn't want to tell my friends. I didn't even want to tell my older son, Maximilian's brother, about Maximilian's diagnosis. That's how... That's how hard we took it. That's how hard I took it. I took it so hard that I couldn't even come to speak about it. I couldn't even say the word autism. And, um, you know, I kind of went into this dark place and, and I stood there, honestly, for a while. And uh, the one thing that I, I, I say that I probably did right in that is that I um, immediately got him services. Like mm-hmm. we immediately got him ABA therapy. Um, I immediately got him speech therapy and occupational therapy, additional uh, speech and occupational therapy. And um, that's the one thing that I, I did because the first, the probably the only question I was able to spit out that day to the doctor was, is this something he can be cured from? Mm-hmm. And she tried every nice way to tell me no. Yeah. Without telling me that. You know, she was like, well, the statistics show and, you know, there's always some remnant that stays, even for the people who say that they're cured, which is very low. Mm-hmm. She was like, there's always that remnants of the social, you know, you know, they become so they're socially awkward. They don't know how to socially interact they're, and stuff like she was, So she said, I'll be honest with you. She's like, it's and she didn't want to say it, but she mm-hmm. was like, but she goes, I'm going I'm to tell you, it's it's very rare. Uh-huh. And so being a school teacher, I know the importance of early intervention. And so I just literally started digging into every resource I could find for Maximilian. Um, we had already been doing food therapy. We had already been doing some speech and occupational um, because of the, you know, his early intervention stuff. But, you know, then I swarmed in all these hours of ABA therapy, five days a week, including on Saturdays. Yeah. Um, so he had six days of therapy. The only day he did not have therapy was Sunday. Mm-hmm. And so 
while all the other kids are, you know, things that we take for granted, right? Mm-hmm. Other kids are playing soccer and other kids are taking karate and piano lessons. You know, my son is in school all day and then he's coming home to another three more grueling hours of having to do ABA therapy, speech therapy, occupational therapy, food therapy. And, um, you know, it was, it was, it's hard. We are right there with you. That is my son's schedule. So I completely, like you said, the things that you take for granted, because we do really prioritize therapy because it's important. It, he, he needs it. He does so well with it, but it's still, it is really hard. And you do have that mom guilt of like, Oh, he's a little boy. I want him to be able to have, I want him to play. I want him to go out and do what other typical children his age are doing and get to experience all that. And no wonder he doesn't have friends because he's freaking home all day long, (laughs) learning how to be socially, you know, how to socially interact correctly, how to be able to tie his sneaker, wipe his butt, brush his teeth, you know, Uh all how to do, how to take turns while they're playing games in ABA therapy that you're looking at him like, wow, you guys are sitting here for three hours and you're playing games. How is that helping him? But then you realize they're talking about taking turns, how to be a good sport, you know, it's, and you don't realize it until afterwards. But I will tell you, Megan, and for anybody else who's listening to this, I didn't even know that this was possible. After two years of ABA therapy, my son graduated from ABA therapy this year. I mean, that's amazing. That's so that is amazing. And I was like, wait. And it was so funny because when they told me, um, so you know, we are prepared to wean Maximilian off of ABA therapy. So and then, you know, and I'm like, what do you mean wean him off? (laughs) You, You know, like cut his hours because we really feel that he's been so successful. You know, he's so high functioning and he's meeting all his goals and yeah, that he should be done and graduating, you know, in the next month and two months. And I was like, wait, what do you mean? I don't understand. <laughs> when you, for a little over two years, when you have that much ABA therapy, mm-hmm. I mean, they become like family members realistically, yeah. right? That's number one. But then number two, I'm like, it, it was almost bittersweet. Then I was the one who was like, no, 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 wait, you can't stop it. And they're like, <laughs> he is doing great. He is doing fine. And I'm like, no, 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 but wait, what about his life skills? We, we still have to figure out life skills. And they're like, honey, for a seven-year-old, um, he, he's good. You know, got like- I can't teach him how to drive a car for life skills. <laughs> I cannot teach him. And I'm like, I can't teach him how to cook his own dinner yet, Tamika. Like, because they're like, I'm like, what kind of life skills? I'm like, you know, I'm like, like making breakfast, like, like, and they're like, they're like, yeah, he's seven. He's doing great, honey. <laughs> that is so funny. Yeah. That's amazing. I, I do know that kids can graduate from ABA. but it's- Well, I didn't know that. Another thing I didn't know. <laughs> it's so great to hear the success stories though, because. No, exactly. And that's, if there's anything that I want people to get out of this podcast as, as me as it's starting, um, the truth is at the end of it, uh, I, I really want to give these families hope because my son is doing so well in so many different facets, which I'm sure we'll talk more of, but I want people to understand that God, there's, there's really such beauty in autism and, and that's where we need to start focusing our attention on and not on the doom and gloom. Like I Mm -hmm. thought perceived autism. I'm so right there with you. It's funny because when you said death sentence, like I remember I don't even know if I said it out loud, but thinking in my head that 
okay, well, if, when, when he gets diagnosed with autism, like, this is a death sentence. Like, it just, it, that's literally how it felt. And I'm, and I know people are like, oh my God, that's so extreme. And I'm like, well, that's how I felt. Just yeah. like, I can be honest with you as a Christian, I was angry at God and I shouldn't say that, but I was. And I, and then I started blaming myself. And so when you are in, when you get into that situation, you, everything comes into your mind, everything. Mm-hmm. So I totally, I, I totally get that. And I think that a lot of people listening are going to feel, understand that same thing, but I'm also in, I, I totally know what you're saying too. When you're like, but when you're on the other side of it, then you can look and you can see all the positive and all the beauty and just all the growth that not only oh my God, people, yes. for you as a person, like you just, I was telling my friend recently, I'm like having a, a child with autism. I think having a child with any special needs, I, I would think it, it literally just like rubs off all your rough spots. <laughs> like you <laughs> learn to be the best version of your because it's like I don't judge anyone I don't judge their situation I don't look at them differently if they have something going on it's just like you 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 really learn how to have empathy oh my god and I agree with you 100 and it's funny because I thought I was already one of the most empathetic people in the world (laughs) and I thought I was already one of the most non-judgmental person in the world because being a new and coming from like the projects and the ghetto and the barrio and growing up already a life of hard knocks, right? And then being an actor who has to put on for all these roles that I do of just the most craziest of and saddest of circumstances, I feel like I'm one of the most empathetic people I've ever met. And then when I couple of that with having a child with autism, right? It's like, just when I think I can't be more empathetic, it really truly has made me the best version of myself and and that's one of the beauties I, I I see in this story that we're living is that he literally I feel like you know so many people are like oh you're such a hero to your son I'm like no actually my son has saved me my I'm mm-hmm. he literally is my hero he has made me better than I've ever could have imagined because of everything that we are experiencing together on this journey Absolutely. Oh, oh, I totally, I hear you. I hear you, girl. Um, okay. So just as I know that we probably could talk for a long, long time. <laughs> so to stay on track. Okay. So he's, he's doing all of his therapies. You're still kind of in that dark time. So what brought you out of that? Oh, that's a good question. Um, so for nearly two years, I couldn't utter with the people closest to me that my son had autism. And it was honestly the moment that changed it when I decided either I can let this moment define me or I can define this moment and do something was when I got invited to be part of a book series. Um, I am a co-author in a book called Today's Inspired Latina. And I got invited to be part of their volume three. And it's a compilation of women's stories, Latina women's stories, and they're all stories of adversity, some kind of life story of, of something dark or deep that they went through, but how they were able to see success in the face of that adversity uh, and come out on the other side of it. And so originally when I got invited to be part of the series, it was because I had written a play 
called The New Eurekan about, you know, growing up in a very hard, you know, in, in, in very hard circumstances without uh, my mother, without my father. My father didn't even know I existed. I was raised with my grandmother and it was my aunt and my uncle and her six kids and my brother. And it was like really 11 of us in a two bedroom apartment. And so it was, I was the first person to graduate. And so there, there was such a good juicy story there, right? It's a story about breaking a vicious cycle and, you know, coming out on the other side of it. Right. And to later become an entrepreneur an actress, a writer, you know, playwright. So that in itself was a, a great story which would have fit perfectly in the book. And so when I originally wrote my story for the book and submitted it to the editor, um, I still hadn't told anyone about Maximilian's diagnosis. And after submitting it, I literally went through, I I can't even explain what it was. I, I went through some emotional something and I literally contacted the editor and I said, I need to pull my story back. Oh, wow. And she was like, what? Because it was already due. <laughs> and she was like, wait, what? And I was like, you know what? This is not the story I'm meant to tell. And so I tell everybody that the story I did share in that story, in that book, Today's Inspired Latina, Volume 3, it, it chose me. I didn't choose that story. The story chose me. And I think it was God's way of telling me, it's about time you come to terms with this. And so as I started to write my story, I cried, I got angry, got happy. It was like I went through the sta- all those stages all over again in the time frame that I had to write this chapter. Mm-hmm. And in that, you know, you do a lot of research when you're writing. And so it forced me to do other kinds of research, right? Not just about resources and stuff like that. And I started to see the stories about child prodigies with autism. And I started to see the stories of all these great, just great people who have been you know, affected by autism who have gone on to do these most amazing things. And I really have to admit and tell you that writing healed me. And I had like this heavy burden lifted off my heart and I was able to finally come to terms with it and stopped blaming and stopped looking for someone to blame. And I forgave myself and I realized that, you know what, my ego was not being my amigo. I was so worried about what other people were going to think and, and I was embarrassed and, and then I realized, you know what, that's not serving me. That's not serving my son. And usually if you ever think about things that you've experienced in your life, right, you decide to open up to someone and you share a deep, dark secret or a pain or something that you're going through. Intrinsically, what that other person wants to do for you is help you. And it wasn't until I accepted his diagnosis and it wasn't until I forgave myself and decided to kind of come out of the closet, I say, with this. (laughs) I didn't come out of the closet big. I wasn't like boom, here I am for the world to see. You know, I, I was very selective in who I did start to share it with. But it was amazing, the outpour of help and the people who were so empathetic. Because by that time, you know, everybody had, Maximilian is very high functioning in the sense. And, and God knows 
my love language because they say God doesn't give you anything you can't handle, right? Mm -hmm. So the fact that he is verbal, even though he had a speech delay and he had a developmental delay and all that, but he's very verbal. Now I can't get the kid to shut up. (laughs) (laughs) And he sings all day long and he's very affectionate. And that's one of my big love languages. Like he is like... And this is horrible to compare your kid to like a dog, like a loyal dog. But the minute I open the door and he knows it's me coming through that door, he is screaming, mommy. And he's running down the stairs and he's hugging me and he's kissing me. And he's like, I missed you. And he's always telling me that I'm his sunshine and I'm his best friend. And up until this summer, he slept every single day of his life on my chest up until seven and a half years old. (laughs) Word of God. Every single day. There was not a single day that I did not go by that. My son, even when we were trying to teach him how to sleep in his own bed, he would get up about midnight, one o'clock in the morning. I, If I was asleep, all of a sudden I would just feel this heavy weight on me. And I just knew it was maximally. I didn't even have to open my eyes because he couldn't sleep without me. And so the love that I have for this kid and, you know, the pe- the people who are in our lives see how loving and how affectionate and how silly and funny he is Mm -hmm. and some of the things he says at that point you know people were just empathetic and they immediately like the few people would start looking up like they would look up on their own articles or they'd come by a news story and they were starting to share all these you know stories of of things that were happening with other people in the autistic community that were positive and good. Or like one day I was like, I really, I broke down crying one day at um, my job and I was like, Oh my God, Maximilian's going to start school. And I'll give you an example. He was like, I was like, he doesn't eat. He's a finicky eater. All he eats is pizza and white rice and (laughs) cook, you know, chocolate and crackers. This is all he eats. He's a carpetarian. Mm-hmm. This is, he doesn't eat a fruit. He doesn't eat a vegetable. He didn't, at the time, he didn't eat meat. He didn't eat anything. And so I was like, I started like literally my, this is like, I, was, I would say like this was like March or April, right? And he wasn't going to start school, for example, until, you know, end of August. Mm-hmm. And I'm already thinking six months ahead and I'm crying like, oh my God, this kid is not going to eat anything. He's going to starve. What am I going to do? And literally, this woman doesn't, I didn't tell them about the autism. I didn't tell her anything you know, the, one of the, my coworker friends, she was like, Oh my God, girl, what are you worried about that? You know, that they have these hot thermos things that make them a pizza in the morning. You stick it in this hot thermos and by lunchtime, it'll still be hot. What are you worried about? <laughs> and it's, it's like, it's the funniest thing. I can look at it now and laugh, but literally in that moment, I am like, Whoa is me. I'm sobbing. I'm like it's all in myself in this dark place. And she's like, girl, get that shit together. Like go. <laughs> and then she even went at lunchtime went to Toys R Us to give me this hot thermos thing that she spoke of. So I had no idea what she was talking about. And I'm thinking to myself, that's the beauty of sharing. Mm-hmm. That's the beauty of sharing your story, right? And it's when you open up and you share that, you know, people want to help. Intrinsically, I feel that people are good and they want to help, right? And so, and so little by little, we started to open up and share a little bit and a little bit and a little bit because I figured, oh my God, this book is about to get published now. And now my family and my friends and the world is there. They're going to read it and they're going to be like, what? I could not believe that you didn't tell me. And these are like my closest friends. So right before the book is about to get published, I literally, it's 
it's stupid and it's funny all at the same time. The teacher and me, it's my birthday. And I was like telling my friends, you know what? Let's do a friends, uh, fr- like a like those friends giving things. And I was like, we're going to have dinner and I want to put on a show for you. And because I'm an actor, they, they have no idea what I'm going to do for them. Right. Mm-hmm. And instead, it was literally a PowerPoint about what autism is, the statistics about autism, the beauty about autism what autistic parents want you to know. And then I ended it with, you know, and Maximilian has autism. And then it became a crying fest. Yeah. Oh my God. That makes me want to cry. That's like, that's, I mean, it's, it's a really interesting way to come out of the closet as you would say. But yeah. So it's, it's really, it's really sweet to me. And I don't know if this is like me as an autism mom reading into it, but it was like, that was like probably you did that because you needed to have like all the facts laid out first before mm-hmm. you said, okay, and now it's, it's my son that has autism mm-hmm. because I know exactly that feeling of like, I don't want someone to, to just hear the word autism and jump to their own conclusions. You want to be the one to have your words come first and say, this is the situation. This is what's happening. No. And, and the truth is, People think that they know about autism and they don't, right? No. Autism, especially the, like, think about the way it's even portrayed on TV, right? The older generation knows about the Rain Man, right? The younger right. generation knows about the good doctor and the atypical series, right? Mm-hmm. And these are all high functioning people, right? And Maximilian, yes, he's high functioning, but, you know, it's a spectrum and it's a spectrum for a reason. And that's why they say, if you know one person with autism, you know just that mm-hmm. one person with autism that's my favorite my favorite right? because it affects people in different ways and sometimes I even feel guilty when I'm around other you know f- autistic families because I'm thinking to myself you know my heart goes out to them because you know they the spectrum is so wide that some of the other children are not as high functioning that then I start to feel a sense of guilt and and so I try to give as much hope and I, and I try to educate as many people and I try to make sure that people understand because all the perceptions of autism are wrong. Like literally, I'll, I'll give you an example. Just yesterday, just yesterday. So I'm the president of this not-for-profit organization called the Autism Hero Project. And our whole mission, right, is about, um, it's it's threefold. It's obviously creating awareness, right? But it's doing more than that. It promotes a world of inclusion. And the best part about the mission you know, coupled with that is that we actually purchase medical insurance for children on the spectrum because we believe any child who has autism should not get the proper care and therapies that they need because of financial barriers. So we literally purchase medical insurance for children on the spectrum in order to gain access to ABA therapy. And it's an amazing not-for-profit. And I'm, you know, I'm excited to share with you that just last year alone, we actually allotted 45, we actually paid out $45,000 in medical insurance premiums for children on the spectrum to be able to gain access to ABA therapy. As a matter of fact, your guest who was on it um, a, on a couple of weeks ago, Ava Hawkins, she was one of our, one, her son was one of our recipients. And so it's, it's exciting to be able to share that story. But then we're doing our annual fundraiser that's coming up, you know, November 15th in a couple of weeks and I went to one of the breakfast places that I frequently eat at 
And so, of course, we're asking for donations and gift cards, you know, things for the silent auction and the raffles. And somebody in there was like, oh, why are you doing that? And I'm like, well, because my, my son has autism. And so this is really near and dear to my heart. And I'm so sorry for you. Mm-hmm. And it's and I know that it's with good intentions. Believe me, I do. And it's and being part of a, a community like Facebook has all these communities and these autism community groups, right? And when you see posts from all these moms about if another person tells me I'm sorry that your kid has autism, I'm gonna flip, right? <laughs> and, and it's just, but I, but my immediate reaction is, I first want to cringe, mm-hmm. and I think some of that might be that filter of all those other posts that I read on that autism blog community. And then the other part is, but you know, I know that that's not what they mean by that, right? And, And initially when I got the autism, you know, diagnosis, I was feeling sorry for myself. So, so it's one of those things that I know a lot of parents get mad when people say that, right? Mm -hmm. I understand it being a mom with a child with autism who has a child who's funny and fantastic and great. And, oh my God, I'm just so in love with him. And he's just amazing to me that I'm like, there's nothing to be sorry for, but at the same time, I get it. And so I don't kind of hold it against anybody as other families and other parents do. And so that's someone who might be listening to this podcast should hear that. <laughs> oh, I've, I've talked about that exact same thing before, because it's like you said, it's, it's not even like I'm like angry, like I'm, I'm mad at this person, but it's like, I just cringe a little bit, like you said, because yeah, when, when someone who doesn't know my kid says, Oh, I'm so sorry. My, my immediate response is always, well, don't be because he's amazing. Right. <laughs> There's really exactly. nothing. To, and I, and I, I'll say that people will say, Oh, he's so lucky to have you. And I'm like, no, we're, we're so lucky to have him like exactly. we're so blessed with him. So it's like, I just always want to flip it and just say, Nope, mm-hmm. the other way. And I think it's important for people to hear that because yeah, I mean, when you, what, you don't know what you don't know. And if, if I- someone, says to you my child has autism and you're picturing them you know living their lives in a padded cell yeah maybe you would feel sorry (laughs) but it's like that's that's not that's not the reality for for most people we are we're able to you know enjoy our children and have a great life with them absolutely no no there's no doubt I mean I I, at least I'm speaking for myself and in my case that's not to take away from that life can be hard I, I won't definitely discount and say that there's been times that it's been very hard and you know it's been very emotional but on the flip side there's been so many moments of joy and funniness and and just pure joy really bliss Mm -hmm. like even just this morning um we have kind of like a habit on Sunday right I usually go to the gym and I take Maxim with me to the gym and he plays in the child center and he gets up super early and I swear to you, he wakes up the whole household. Like he literally starts singing, you know, he recalls, right? So he watches his favorite programs and he gets into a habit. He comes, you know, walking down his ladder off his bunk bed and he will turn on the TV or he'll sneak in and grab his Chromebook and he'll sneak in this little corner where all his toy chest is. Like if he's hiding from us, listening to his Chrome and he's watching like his story bots and they sing the song and he starts singing and getting so into it. And he's screaming from the top of his lungs, singing, <laughs> waking up the whole house. Right. And then I'm like, dude, chill 
close the door, be quiet, right? But then I'm like, he's up already for an hour and a half and I get up finally. And I'm like, dude, did you brush your teeth yet? And he's like, no. I'm like, why not? How many times do I have to tell you to brush your teeth? You're so good at so many other things. Why aren't you brushing your teeth? And just this morning, he was like, because I don't like brushing my teeth, mom. And I was like, well, you know what's going to happen if you don't? All your teeth are going to fall out, Maximilian. And he's like, so that just means I'll have a lot of money. <laughs> and I lost it. <laughs> oh, my gosh oh my god he's already got this entrepreneurial mindset right and i'm like i literally wanted to like have a comeback for him but i couldn't stop laughing right (laughs) and i'm like oh man that was good and i was like but that doesn't work like that but i was like that was a good one maxim and i couldn't help but start laughing so and he there's so many you know maximinisms of things he says that i'm like floored and i'm like i cannot believe that came out of this little kid's mouth and it's that's so pretty brilliant. Funny. He is. He, yeah. I literally, God, some of the stuff that comes out of his mouth, I'm thinking to myself, who is your parent? Who is your mom here? Like, who's your dad? Where do you get this from? Where did you come from? Yeah. Like, and it's so funny. Like, I can't get over it. And he literally brings us such joy. He really does. And so I can talk. Um, I feel really, you know, I feel blessed to be his mom. Um, you know, like last weekend, I had to do a public speaking and I was at um, ECC and I was asked to speak to their transitional academy students and you know I figured in honor of bully prevention month right I figured Mm -hmm. you know what I can talk about my upbringing which a lot of these kids could relate to you know because they're they're growing up in very hard family circumstances I said or I can just do something different and I could talk about autism in honor of family prevention. And I went back and forth as to what conversation I should have, right? I can tell them how there's light at the end of the tunnel and they could become entrepreneurs like I have. And, you know, they can go after all their dreams, no matter what their family circumstances are. But instead I decided to kind of couple these two, mirror these two conversations with the together to present to them. And in the midst of me telling them the story about Maximilian, my emotions got over me and I became very emotional and I I didn't know that two of the students that were in this transitional academy school actually had autism Um, but I kind of spoke to the beauty of autism and and why it's so important to be inclusive and how to treat people and how to be kind and and anyway and at the end of this right my there was this one student because they were allowed to ask questions and there was this one student who said do you ever fear that your child will be bullied and I was like that's absolutely one of my biggest fears Mm -hmm. many fears I have many but one of them is exactly that that he would be bullied and because he is so kind-hearted and naive and he doesn't always understand you know when someone's being mean to him, he doesn't really always quite get it that somebody would hurt him. And knowing where his heart is and knowing the kind of child that he is, I said, that is actually one of my biggest fears. And that's why I'm talking to you today. I'm talking to you today because it's Bully Prevention Month and I can't change the world alone for my son, Maximilian, and for children like my son, and for children with special needs in general, not just autism. I said, and that's why we have to create a world of inclusion, a world where everybody is nice and compassionate and empathetic. And it takes people like you 
that when you see an injustice, that you speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, that you become a voice for those who are voiceless. And when you have children, you teach them how to be kind. And when you go home today, you have these conversations with your family members and your friends, and you help those who cannot help themselves. And the whole dynamic in the place changed. And it was beautiful. It was beautiful to see how these children responded. And, uh, and so I felt really good that I was able to kind of create that space to have those conversations that I feel are so important for society today. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that was so sweet. Oh my gosh. I, I know that's definitely, like you said, there's so many fears, but yeah, I feel like as, as a parent, especially as any parent, you worry that your, your child would be bullied or picked on or made fun of because we've all been kids. We know, we know what that's like. But yeah, then when, when you have a child with autism, it's just like tenfold. And I, I said to my husband just recently, because we were watching Atypical, and he was, the, the character of the show was, was being bullied. And I was like, okay, so I'm like, this is what scares me. Because I'm like, I, I, I don't, I'll hurt someone. Like, well, like, <laughs> and so I will admit to you, I didn't want to add this because I am a school teacher, but I will admit to you since you brought it up. That one thing I did tell him, and since, hey, we're, we're going to be authentic on this. So one thing I did tell him is that one of the other biggest fears I had is, despite that I am a school teacher, despite that I am an entrepreneur and a professional, and that I do speaking engagements, the other thing that I fear most about that is that I know me. Being a Latina from New York, I mean, there's this <laughs> part of me that I just cannot hold myself back. And that's where I'm going to have to tap into my community into my support system and my friends because mm-hmm. it will take all of my being to not be that helicopter mom who will want to go and lash out. Oh yeah. It will take everything in my core to literally hold myself back from wanting to pay revenge on someone who hurts my son. I, yeah, I guess we'll have to cross that bridge when we get to it. Cause I don't well, know. I can't get to it. Right? So <laughs> yeah. God, I'm telling you, please don't ever let me get to that point. That's true. We'll just put that out in the universe and hopefully yeah. it won't, it won't happen. Um, I do want to back up a little bit because obviously you mentioned the Autism Hero Project, but I would love to hear about like the conception and how, how that came to be because it is an amazing organization and you're doing so many amazing things for the autism community. So yeah, if you could tell, tell me a little more about how that started. Absolutely. So when I was, um, Actually, when I was promoting today's Inspired Latina and uh, I had just kind of come out of the closet, mm-hmm. uh, my son's diagnosis, I started to kind of um, confide in certain people. And one of the gentlemen who I had had confided in, actually, I did it. My husband did because I didn't want to really tell that many people. But my husband did. He contacted me and he said, hey, listen, your husband just told me about Maximilian and I am working with this group who is starting this autism hero project, not for profit organization. Um, And he goes, but we've come into kind of a snafu and we need so many members of the board. And I know that part of you coming about to come out with your book, you talked about that you wanted to become an ambassador for autism. So here's a great opportunity. (laughs) So we kind of started like that. Little did I know, though, that everybody who was supposedly part of it 
was not really going to last. And then literally as we're starting this whole organization um, and we're doing the legal paperwork and we're with the lawyer and they're like, okay, we need a president. We need a vice president. We need this. We need that. And uh, everybody was like, Tamika, you need to be the president. And I was like, I have a lot on my plate. I cannot be president. I am a school teacher. I, I do acting. That takes a lot of rehearsal time. I'm in the middle of the play. I'm trying to finish my playwriting. I just, I can't. And I'm about to, you know, publish this book and I'm going to be doing some book tours and, but nobody else wanted to step up. And then I was like, okay, God, are you telling me something? Yeah. <laughs> and literally they were like, yeah, it's not going to be a lot of work in the beginning. Bullshit. <laughs> And they're like, no, we'll help you. We've got this. And that's not true either. But make a long story short, I kind of, you know, as anything, when I put, when I say yes, I mean it. And so I uh, stepped up and have been at it ever since. So that's kind of like how it came out. Um, There's this great um, visionary. I, I call him a visionary. Um, Daniel Blank is his name. And he actually is the one who kind of presented this concept. He actually owns a couple of ABA therapy schools, so to speak. Um, like it, they're called the place for children with autism. And what's beautiful about this school, and they didn't have this around when Maximilian started ABA therapy. And I really believe that this is a game changer. So I'm kind of glad we're talking about this. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a school where they have a BCBA which is kind of like the ABA manager, so to speak, for someone the one who, who writes the plans. Yeah, the one who writes the curriculum plan mm -hmm. and the goals um, based on the evaluation that your son or your daughter would take, obviously, to see what their deficiencies, so to speak, are. And they kind of write their goal plans of these are the programming. They write the programming that the child needs to take um, to be able to kind of overcome those. And so this school has a BCBA and literally they have all ABA therapists as the teacher, as the staff. And literally the child gets one-on-one -on -one ABA who literally implements the programming that they need. And, but it's set in a daycare kind of setting, a preschool daycare kind of setting so that they get the social interactions. Mm -hmm. See for me where ABA ABA did so much for my son. It was the game changer. I really will tell anybody it's the best therapy I ever did for my child. It literally was the game changer. And I highly recommend it to any child who's on the spectrum mm -hmm. where it kind of did not get to serve us as well is that, you know, kind of being an only child, it's different in your case because you have three little kids who are relatively closer in age, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Not me. My oldest son is 16 years apart from my younger son, right? right. And there's nobody in between. So he did not have those social outlets. And we tried yeah. to set up social play dates. And I have to be honest, it was so difficult to get those social play dates together. We only had a chance to do a, a handful of them. And then I actually, what I did do though, is I brought ABA into the after school program at my son's school. So we have a boys and girls club at my son's school. And so I was fortunate and blessed enough to be able to get the ABA therapist at the after-school club so that they can help them in that kind of social setting. Well, that's great. But that social setting is very organized in the sense, okay, 
you start with the homework club and then from the homework club you go and you play for a little while then you have to you eat together and so it's 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 the setting has its own organizational plan within it right so it's not like free social time right it's all and so that's where maximilian didn't get that kind of the benefit that he needed in a social environment as much and that's where this kind of setup of preschools that are popping up all over the place i just found out about there's two more that just recently um, opened actually three more that have just opened in the area not in my area but like in the chicagoland area mm-hmm. i'm like wow this is amazing a preschool setting or daycare setting that has a bcba and aba therapy all day long and they get to socially interact with other kids and they they bring in like yoga for children they bring in music they bring in art and they work them together and they eat socially together and and it's just like Oh my God, this is like beautiful and it's ideal. And so this gentleman, Daniel Blank, he had this school and he came up with the concept of this not-for-profit thinking, okay, we're going to make the school free for any child with autism and it's going to be free for them, but we're going to fund them through this not-for-profit organization. And so that's kind of where the idea developed. And so that's where we came in. That is incredible. That's like you said, that, ABA is is amazing and I I feel the same way that you do that I anyone that asks me I would recommend it and I remember for a long time being really scared of ABA like before we even had a diagnosis because I knew that was what Logan was going to be recommended because that's I mean the most common therapy recommended for kids on the spectrum but I knew also how like intensive it was and like you said like they're people are extremely oh my god yes like this the, the schedule um so I remember being really scared and thinking like, oh, I don't know what's going to be for us. Cause I did, I did hear some people say, no, it was too much. It was too hard. Well, I've heard a lot of family members afterwards because I really didn't, I didn't discuss it with anybody, but when I started to, and, and being at Easter seals and talking to other parents and going to those, you know, support groups and stuff, a lot of them said that they started it and they quit because it was just mm-hmm. too much on their families. Mm-hmm. And it was too much, you know, it's, it's like you, it forces you, right. You have to stay home. You can't go run to the store. You can't run errands. You can't even go out to eat dinner. You can't like, you are forced to stay home. And for us, he would be at school. He'd take a school bus. He wouldn't get home. He'd leave our house at six forty-five in the morning and he wouldn't come home till 10 minutes to four. Mm-hmm. And the therapy would start from four to seven. Mm-hmm. So this kid nonstop is like in this learning environment setting that is like, I mean, it is hard. Like it forces us to be home at, at four o'clock. We can't leave until seven. It interrupts your gym life. It interrupts your work <laughs> life. It interrupts your social calendars. Like then every Saturday morning from nine to 12, you know what I mean? So it's, it's not easy, but I have to tell you something. I would do anything, anything for my child to be successful. Mm-hmm. And I didn't matter what it cost us because the truth is it cost us a whole shitload of money. Yep. <laughs> oh my God. I can't even begin to explain how much money. Um, <laughs> but thank God we had medical insurance. I didn't been, I, being the president of the organization, I can't dip into the Autism Hero Project's funding. <laughs> Financially, you know, my husband and I were both, like, we, we make decent money. So we have medical insurance through our job. But the deductible, you know, we have to have a $6,000 deductible out of pocket, right? Oh, even with insurance, it's this is not cheap. This is not cheap. And so, I mean, 
it's it's financially it, it's but you know what I didn't I didn't care what it took if it meant me working which I did two jobs three jobs right mm-hmm. I was gonna get him every single thing that he needed to be successful and I didn't care about the sacrifice and I didn't care because I knew short-term sacrifice is going to reap a long-term reward and so for two and a half years if I had to do this until he graduated from ABA therapy I was going to do whatever it took to help my son be successful and you did he's graduated and he graduated oh that is so that just like makes my heart so happy honestly two and a half years a little actually less than that I drew them out for another two and a half months and they were like oh my god I so were like no even like two years and two months and I was like nope no, I think <laughs> so went from like five days to four days to three days to two days to one day and they're like can we can we be done now Tamika are you okay with that we legally cannot continue to bill your insurance because we feel like he's fine <laughs> that's incredible it really is and and you know I do want to add something to that I want to make sure that we touch on that but Mm -hmm. so um one of my biggest thing is become an activist for autism right Mm -hmm. and I believe that you know everybody's about you know autism awareness autism awareness autism awareness creating awareness and yes 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 that is important but for me it's it's much more than that being aware to me is not enough it's not enough because you can be aware of something and it doesn't activate you to do anything right you just become aware but it doesn't change you it doesn't activate anything in you to me it's about creating a world of inclusion and activating people to be conscious about creating that world of inclusion all not just children with autism but for all and so in that, I I go out and I do a lot of public speaking and I do a lot of like support group social talks and stuff like that. And um, and I have become very vocal in the Latino community, uh, you know, because we have some cultural things on us that you know we 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 look at things differently. Or like my husband said when I was talking last weekend at ECC. When he, out of nowhere, I was really, it was a, it was such a proud moment for my husband who doesn't generally speak up and talk, right? He's more of an introvert, but at the end of our session, um, right before somebody had asked their final question, they said, what are some of the biggest misconceptions about autism that you would like to like make us aware of? And so as I'm about to answer the question, my husband stands up and he goes, do you guys mind if I talk to you guys for a second? And he goes, and mostly I'm really talking to the men in the audience right now. And he goes from man to man. He goes, I grew up as a Latino. And as a Latino, I can tell you we're a little more physical sometimes than other, you know, other cultures. And I really think that that's popular in even the urban cultures, African-American, just people of color in general. But he's like, we tend to be a little more physical in nature. And he says, and sometimes we don't believe in labels and we grow up to believe things differently. And we believe that sometimes we can spank things out of kids or people don't know what they're talking about, especially that old school kind of traditional mindset, you know, like our generation of parenting, our fathers and stuff. You know, I hear some parents speak, Oh, that, 
ese autismo, that doesn't, that's not true, that autism, that's just a label people are putting on you. That's like the ADHD thing. They're just trying to find labels and, and they don't believe in some of this stuff, right? Mm -hmm. and, um, and he said, you know, as a father of a child with autism, it's real and we need to get educated and we need to understand that there is such a thing. And he said so much more, mm -hmm. um, so much more eloquently than I'm saying it right now. <laughs> He, he he really kind of helped a lot because it was mostly Latino children in, in this academy. And he just was like, I just want to, I want you to be aware. And I just want you guys to understand that this does exist. And it's not something that you can spank out of your child. Mm -hmm. And it's something that um, you can deny or ignore. And we have to educate ourselves. And we have to understand. And we have to be open. Yep. So that's really, that's been, you know, a big thing in talking to Latino cultures is I often hear as a school teacher, you know, we have children who come through and mothers are like, I know that there's, I, I don't know what's wrong with my son. Like there's something wrong with my child. And I say son mostly because it's mostly sons because you right. just, you know, autism affects four and a half boys for every one girl. Right. Mm -hmm. And, 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 and in, it could be girls as well, but I, I hear a lot of families and because I'm in a dual language community as a teacher, I'm dealing mostly with Latinos, right? Mm -hmm. and we see them say, I know, but my husband doesn't believe in it or my husband doesn't want to get him diagnosed or my husband. And it, and it's that male, not male chauvinist, and I don't want to say that, but it's, it's that male machismo or, <laughs> yeah. <and> so, <laughs> and so that's, so I talk a lot to the Latino community and I talk a lot to women and I help them to understand that there is hope and there is beauty and it's not like the death sentence that we think it is. And, you know, a lot of them admit and say, our family has shunned us. They stopped inviting us to the kid parties and they stopped inviting us to certain events because, you know, my son or my child acts differently and, and that hurts. You know, it, it hurts when you hear things like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's like your husband said, you, you just, you need to educate yourselves and your family and the people around you. Because again, if people aren't familiar with autism and if it's, and if you don't live it, if it's not in your life, then you're not familiar with it. Right. And it's just like, you need to have those conversations and, and educate people and be the one to to, to change the conversation because I mean, kind of like what you were saying before too, it's like, if we, if we don't teach this to our children now and to the people around us and our family and our friends, then, you know, what are, what are we going to leave this world with? It's, it's, we're going to leave it just the same way. And it's like, if you, if you have the opportunity to, to make things better, even just in a very small way, you have to take it. Right. And you know what? Maybe I alone can can only do so much, but together we can do a lot. Right. And when you think about that, the current statistic rates on autism, just in 1993, it was one in twenty five hundred. And today it's one in fifty nine children. But they really believe it's one in forty two because of those who go undiagnosed. Right. right. And it's really one right now. The ones who do get diagnosed, it's one in thirty seven boys for every one in 151 girls who are getting diagnosed. That just proves, honestly, there is something environmental going on that autism is truly an epidemic and 
we need to prepare our future for these children who are going to become adults with autism and our society needs to be inclusive of these people mm-hmm. of not these people of of adults with autism and children with autism mm-hmm. we need to be aware of this and not just autism obviously i'm talking about all special needs but specifically yeah. because it's about autism right mm-hmm. and we need to create a world that's going to be inclusive of them they mm-hmm. have to be and they're so talented one thing i'm super excited about real quick i have to share this so mm-hmm. no 15th is the autism hero projects big fundraiser dinner gala right and one thing that i've done consciously because i know that it's one way to create and promote that world of inclusion but it's another to create that awareness for everybody else is every person we've had to physically hire financially that we're paying out to for example a videographer to videotape the event a photographer to take pictures of the event uh artist instead of giving plaques or trophies to these business partners and these, uh, you know, companies that have partnered up with the Autism Hero Project and sponsored it with us, instead, I decided consciously to hire an artist who has autism, who is making these individualized awards through his art, and he is not considered high-functioning. He's actually considered, I think they said higher on the low to medium spectrum mm-hmm. but his art is amazing and the beautiful pieces that he has handcrafted for this event that we're going to give out on this event are just jaw-dropping oh. and the reason why i'm doing this is that at the event i'm going to show if you need to hire an artist please consider one with autism mm-hmm. or with special needs and here is an example of the beautiful work that they do. If you need a videographer, our videographer tonight has autism and he has his own company. And this is what he does. And the photographer. And in your company, if you are an entrepreneur tonight or an individual who works in a community that is looking to hire people, please expand your mindset to know that you can be inclusive to these people. And these are some of the most talented hardworking people that you will meet who are so laser focused, concentrated. You have some computer data entry to do, hire someone with autism. I guarantee you they won't gossip. They won't cheese me. They won't be a water bubbler talking and, hey, you know, trying to waste time. They will be the most efficient worker that you can hire and they will be so good at their job. Get the job done. Yes. Like in our cafeteria, we, uh, I'm a school teacher and one of our um, lunch supervisors is what we call them. Um, he has autism and the, the manager who oversees them all is like, Oh my God, he's the best. He cleans the tables down. He makes sure that everything is perfect and prim. And she's like, he's good. And he, we never get into any gossip or fighting or anything <laughs> between employees with him because he's just so, he just comes, does his job and he's somewhat social. He'll ask me, hi, how was your weekend? And, um, your lunch smells good as I'm heating up my lunch. <laughs> and so the world needs to know this. And yeah. we need to literally make a world that is going to be inclusive of them. Because when you look at these staggering numbers, you know, it's the numbers are not getting better. We went from one in 2,500, you know, less than, you know, 20 something years ago to one in 59. It's scary. It is. Mm-hmm. It really is. It's there. There's so many. 
I mean, obviously there's so many questions with autism in general, but there's, there's just so many, so many questions. Um, that that's something we'll have to get into another day. <laughs> I think we've covered a lot. <laughs> we have. Oh my gosh. I, and I, we really could just keep talking all night. Um, I really want you to, I mean, we talked about the event obviously, but tell us. Yeah, if you're interested, please like our page. Our Facebook page is autism hero project. And uh, actually the website officially should be up in the next two weeks. So right before the event, it'll be autismheroproject.org. And um, if you want to reach out to us, you can message us at least on Facebook for right now. Uh, If you want to come to our event and support such an amazing cause, then I invite you to be there. It's going to be at this great restaurant in Schaumburg, Illinois, for those of you who are in the Chicagoland area. It's, um, it, I'm excited because it's actually one of my book sisters. I call my book sisters since there's like 26 authors to every volume. So <laughs> one of my book sisters owns this restaurant and they've been very beautifully generous and it's in Schaumburg and it's uh, just so that you know, it's called Brazil Express Churrasco Grill. It's at 1045 South Roselle Road in Schaumburg and the evening is going to consist of all you can eat Brazilian food with the gauchos who serve the meat right there at your table. And they have like so many gourmet items on their salad bar and it's unlimited sides and salad and it includes dessert and a drink. Um, and so it's going to be a fantastic event and it's all for a good cause. And we're going to have a silent auction and we're going to have raffles and uh, we're going to be able to hopefully purchase more medical insurance for even more kids in the upcoming year than before. And if anyone also with that, I just want to add one other thing. Yes. If you have a child with autism and you're in the, you know, Chicagoland, Illinois area and you need medical insurance and financially you can't afford it. I would sub- ask you to please submit an application. You can message us. We'll email you the application and get our email address is autismheroproject at gmail.com. We have the application in Spanish. We have the application in English. You just have to show proof of income, fill out a one page application. It's super easy. And you have to, the window opens November 1st through December 15th is when the marketplace opens. So you have to have your application into us at least by December 1st. So you have, you can start now to submit all through December 1st and start getting your application in so that 2019 maybe you will be one of the children awarded your child will be one of the children awarded with a medical waiver so that we can purchase your medical insurance for the year well thank you so much for sharing that because that's that's incredible and what an amazing amazing resource such incredible work you're doing i'm so excited for the event i'm going i can't wait um so i hope that there's a bunch of other people coming and we get to meet everyone and talk to everyone i'm so excited me and my husband will be there uh tamika i just i can't thank you enough for coming on i feel like you are like my soul sister like i can just talk to you all night long but i feel like we have so many similar viewpoints on all this stuff and you're just you're so inspiring and i i had said this to you before but the work you're doing is so important and it's incredible and i'm just i'm i'm so in awe of you and i just want to say thank you for everything that you've done for the autism community because it it really is um it takes a village and you got to find find your find your tribe find your people um but you are just you're a rock star 
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for everybody listening in. What you're doing is amazing, getting the word out. And it's so important. You're right. Maybe individually we might be strong, but together we're stronger. And I know that we are going to make the world a better place for children like Logan and Maximilian and Blake and anyone else out there with autism and special needs in general. Oh, that's yes. You hit the nail on the head. All right, Miss Tamika, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for listening in. All right. Bye-bye. Adios. Okay. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Tamika. I really did. <laughs> she um, she just had so many things to say that I just thought were so poignant and inspiring and, and so important. There was one thing that she said actually after we finished recording that she wanted me to add, um, which uh, has stuck with me and I've been thinking about it the past few days. And that was that our adversities become our advantage. And when she said that, I, I listened, I was like, oh, that's great. And then, like I said, it, it's really stuck with me and it's something that I just, those are like words to live by. And I think that, you know, if we, if we look at, look at everything with that, that perspective on it, it's so true because you can, you could take something that, you know, might, might be seen as a negative. And if you can just find, find the positive in that and the beauty in that, and just, you know, embrace the, the uniqueness, um, I think that she's absolutely right. And I, yeah, like I said, I just think she's so inspiring. So again, if anybody is interested in coming to the event, check out the Autism Hero Project page on Facebook. They have an Eventbrite link, so you can just get tickets right there. I'm going to share it again on our, the Autism, I'm sorry, Adventures in Autism podcast page on Facebook. So you can find it there. Um, make sure you're following us there and following us on Instagram. It's just Adventures and Autism Pod on Instagram. And again, if you want to connect with me, you can also email me at Adventures in Autism 2018 at yahoo.com. Um, I feel like a, a broken record because I'm saying it every week, but it's so true. Thank you so, so much to everyone who has reached out and connected with me. I have, I'm like a podcasting fool right now. I've had so many, uh, recordings set up over the past, uh, couple weeks and I have a, a lot of really great, really great episodes come in, in the pipeline. So keep on listening, please. And again, I hope you enjoyed today's show and just have a great day. Thanks guys.